Welcome to Church and Other Drugs. My name is Jed. How's everybody doing? I'll tell you how I'm doing. Staring down the barrel of two hurricanes, because that's how this year is going. So my uh, my birthday is tomorrow, and uh, the first uh, hurricane is supposed to, or I guess it's a tropical storm now, it's supposed to hit us tonight, and then the next one on Thursday. So at least we get like a day break. So that's cool. <laughs> Um, I, you know, whatever it, it'll be what it is. It's just, it's so like, I, I just texted my friend. I was like, what really is going on with this year? Or what, like, this is, this is getting ridiculous. There's just too much. I can't, can't deal. can't deal. But, um, on the, you know, on a positive front, we got a new patron, uh, Noah G. Thank you so much for your patronage. Enjoy the uh, bonus content and uh, um, shoot me a message because you didn't give your last name so I can uh, add you to the Facebook group. Um, also, um, working on some new uh, merch designs. Um, um, that's, you know, that's pretty much it uh, in my... In my uh, I guess I'll call them Jed's picks. I don't know of uh, movies and TV shows and music. So I've been uh, listening to the new Misery Signals album. Um, it's pretty decent. Uh, the new Purity Ring album stays pretty heavy in my rotation. And I just discovered this band, uh, The Annex. Uh, A N I X. I think I played one of their songs. Last time, they are super awesome, kind of like uh, Muse mixed with uh, Crystal Castle's Purity Ring type thing. Uh, I just watched this movie Sputnik. It's Russian. It's kind of like a alien meets arrival, uh, meets uh, Cold War era Russian conspiracy science body horror-ish. Uh, I think you can, it's on video on demand on Amazon. It was, it was really good though. It was cool. It was very moody, very, uh, if you're a sci-fi person, um, I think you'll really dig it. Uh, I do not recommend the tax collector, the new Shia LaBeouf, uh, David Ayer movie. I think David Ayer is now my least favorite director currently behind Brett Ratner. It was so bad. It was the dumbest movie I've ever seen in my life. But it was like I couldn't stop. I was like, I need to just turn this off and give up. But I just couldn't, and I watched it. And uh, each minute that passed, I was just like, why am I doing this to myself? It was so dumb. It was so dumb. So maybe watch it. I don't know. I'll change my mind. Go watch it. It's stupid. Um, and uh, to everyone that... Uh, when I posted the Justice League um, Snyder Cut trailer, everyone that, that co- negatively commented on that, you can politely de- unfriend me, okay? Because that is going to be my new reason to live coming up in 2021. Snyder Cut, baby. It's happening. Um, but yeah, so today I got to interview Kara. Uh, um, someone I met in a Facebook group where I kind of explain I made a very uh, unwise, <laughs> I thought it was a funny joke at the time, turned out to be not so funny, got a lot of people worried about me, shout out Chris, you're the man, thanks for checking on me, I love you buddy, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, something good that came out of it was I found out this uh, Kara uh, was a 
self-proclaimed crackhead. And I was like, I'm a crackhead. Like, let's talk. And so she agreed to come on and tell her story. So, you know, with no more introduction than that, uh, I scheduled her and we talked and it was awesome. So here is Kara's story. Oh, yeah. Send me an email. Churchandotherdrugs at gmail.com. If you want to be like Noah and join Patreon, patreon.com slash churchandotherdrugs and storefrontier.com slash churchandotherdrugs. Been staying in my lane Wasn't a sign to me I'm not to blame Brown bottles of Jameson Grey ashes in a tray I put out Got cancer sick Got on a plane Visited the Vatican To watch the pontiff wave And he said Benedicite Benedicite Is it Kara or Kara? It's Kara. Kara. All right. So I am here with Kara. Uh, how are you doing? I am pretty good today, Jed. How are you? I'm <laughs> I am good. We Well, actually, so I'm in... Where are you at? I am on Vancouver Island, which is an island off the west coast of Canada, basically. Oh, sweet. So the the second Canadian I've had. Um, so I'm in Lafayette, Louisiana, the place that is about to get hit by two hurricanes. Holy smokes. Yeah. That's that's so interesting. I don't think I've ever known someone that far south that was on central time. I feel like always it's Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, we're, we're pretty much as, as central as you get just at the very bottom. And yeah, so they canceled all of our uh, college classes uh, this week, and the first one's supposed to hit, I think, like tonight at 7, and then the next one is like Thursday, Thursday morning, maybe. Don't so. you find that terrifying? No, because we, it's, uh, you live under the constant threat. Um, so, I mean, the... I moved here in 2005 and that was when hurricane Katrina happened. And so, yeah, that was, that was a big deal. Um, but it's like, we don't live, you know, I'm not coastal, so I'm not going to get like, you know, storm surge flooding, but we, you know, there is the danger of, um, I mean like you're not going to die. Is basically it. But, you know, <laughs> and I love big storms. It does like the, the worst case scenario is, um, losing power for an extended period of time or uh there is like we did we will flood from just like rain like heavy rain so that like our house flooded three years ago there was this giant storm that was the first time that's ever happened to me it was terrifying (laughs) that would be scary i mean the worst weather event that i've seen here is probably we had a dry lightning storm last week which i mean seemed well, just a lightning storm without like the rain and everything, right? So everything's like super okay. dry. The crickets are going like crazy, and there's just like tons of lightning. Um, other than that, I mean, I grew up up north, or well, not like north north, but like much more north. And there was a lot of like 
snowstorms and stuff, but those aren't very scary. You just don't drive, right? Yeah, just kind of locked in. (laughs) Exactly. I I love a good. I mean, I love a good thunderstorm, and I love a good. I think I just love like the chaos of it. And I've I've always said like emergencies, especially you know for since I lived so long as a junkie, right in this like weird alternate universe. It's like when hurricanes and stuff happens, it's like the rest of society gets on my level, and it's like (laughs) dude, I, I know how to operate uh without laws and stuff so it's like it's i don't know it's strangely comforting that's fair and i feel like i i kind of get what you mean i mean it's been a while for me since i use drugs but i uh like i kind of get what you mean like it's almost like the chaos is like you can you can enjoy it without any guilt or questioning of your yourself and uh yeah because i think that probably ties in a lot too addiction is is the enjoyment of the chaos for sure so i will uh i'll I'll set the stage for how this interview even took place i made a a, in retrospect i thought it was funny at the time um so like uh this to describe it in as general terms as possible the uh in a facebook group we're both in people recently a trend had started of people like smoking weed and saying like hey i'm super high ama ask me anything and it was just like this cute thing and it's like okay and uh that stuff's always funny to me when it's because it's almost like oh adorable like you smoked a little joint that's so cute and so i thought it would be funny to post uh just shot up a bunch of crystal and heroin ask me anything (laughs) and (laughs) i got like instantly I started getting I just forgot about it and then I started getting DMs like hey are you okay what's wrong like are you good man and I was like oh that's a bad joke and um somebody uh and so like I took it down and somebody posted like oh you know I think uh I think crackhead stuff is funny or something and then uh you posted like yeah as as an ex-crackhead myself and I was like say what like okay let's talk about it I yeah I had no idea so yeah, yeah pretty much most going people blind have that, no idea <laughs> yeah so let's uh let's start um i guess i always usually do like uh upbringing and like faith background where did you grow up uh religious at all or how'd you grow up Well, absolutely. So my parents, we were considered non-denominational, but it was really similar, like as an adult looking back to like evangelical, we had evangelists come and stuff like that. And, you know, the whole slain in the spirit, that whole thing. So very like kind of extreme sort of, but doesn't seem too extreme in the moment, Christianity. Um, (laughs) And then, uh, so it was like super, you know, like weren't allowed to watch Ninja Turtles or Power Rangers or any of that stuff. Um, super, super strict. And my family was the only one in our extended family that was like that. So we still had a lot of outside influence, like, you know, like, my uncles all smoked weed and my cousin, like everybody, you know, but we were super, super restricted. And then when I was 12, was the first time that I ever, um, kind of stepped outside of that because like when I was 10 I started getting I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself so we went to uh we went to Christian school private Christian school the whole the whole thing right um and then when I was 10 they moved us to public school and having only been exposed to Christian stuff for the most part 
I was bullied really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, we've we've already got similar similar stories. <clears throat> that that was I was I went to it wasn't it wasn't a Christian it was a public elementary school, but it was in the deep south small city, so it may as well been a Southern Baptist private school, right? Like the teachers <laughs> openly would, you know, use Bible verses and it was very, you know, whatever. And then I moved in sixth grade to like a, a normal big city public school and yeah, got, uh, got bullied very seriously. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, and I mean, to give you an idea of like how out of touch I was with what was kind of cool is like, I wrote a letter to our premier complaining about them only teaching evolution in school and not teaching both sides like that's <laughs> nice that's, nice. that's how yep. dorky i was and like so christian and then of course the bullying kind of pushes you away from the church because you realize that everybody hates you because mm -hmm. you know you're like this and so when i was 12 was when i first started binge drinking um so two years later and then smoking weed as well and then that's um, a in interesting anecdote I picked up because so I used to um, I'm a, a substance abuse counselor and so when I used to work with adolescents I did I would usually I would like take a poll on like average like when did you first start using and like pretty unanimously across the board mine was 11 uh, it was uh, 10 to 13 like pretty across the board so yeah. that's usually a, a bad if you start that early things aren't thing. The prognosis ain't that great. Well, yeah. And it's so it's so interesting to me because you step into other circles because it starts to feel normal, right? Where like 10 to 13 is like the norm and like people are like, oh, you didn't start till you were 12. I started when I was 10, you know, and like um, <clears throat> and then you step into circles like the the Facebook group that we're both a part of and everyone's like 25 you know, I started, yeah. I had my first, first drink at 25. I started smoking weed when I was like 30 and I'm like, what? Like, yeah, like, yeah, it does, doesn't even feel There's possible. There's a huge, dis yeah, the, the huge disconnect. And it's like, yeah, I remember my, my first, uh, or my job I had when I was getting sober this last time I was working at just, I was a barista and, and I was 27. So I'm, and so I'm working with, you know, a bunch of seniors in high school or freshmen in college and they're all just like they'd come back from the weekend and be like i drink like five beers and like two <laughs> mixed drinks i'm just like oh wow you're crazy man <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's so funny and like like you mentioned like i said people don't necessarily realize that i am i know i like yeah, like I said, people are often shocked if I like casually mention that I used to be a crackhead, um, which I like to do it casually because it puts people off and it makes them super yes. uncomfortable. Yes, I, I, I that when I was feeling more like snarky, I really like uh, these days. I, I I used to be way worse with that just to try to get, like because it's 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 kind of funny. It really takes people off guard, or especially if they'd like, hey, you want a beer? Like you can choose to either answer like. Nah, man, I used to, you know, shoot up crack. And there's like, <laughs> oh, uh, okay then. Um, yeah, so sometimes I, I like to do that just to judge reactions, but yeah. Well, my favorite is, is like, because I don't mind, like I said, I find crackhead jokes really funny. But my favorite is when someone makes a crackhead joke and they have no idea. And you're like, oh, yeah, I used to be a crackhead. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, like yeah. I just start laughing, right? Because I'm like, no, it's fine. It's fine. No, it's fine. Uh, it's totally fine. <laughs> it's hilarious. 
Like, I okay, just wanted so to you... add to the hilarity. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> so you started but, drinking at 12. Yeah, so I started drinking at 12. And then I think I was like late 13 or early 14 the first time I did um, mushrooms. But like, that's kind of a shitty story. So uh, like, there was this party my brother had because my brother was also bullied, bullied really badly. So he was like... You know, when people were like, we want to come to your house and have this party, he was like, yeah, right? So it was like this yeah. way too big party. And uh, and this person gave me mushrooms, and then there was like this bad situation that happened that was very traumatic. And, uh, and then we moved. So like, it was like within like two months that my family was moving away from this small town that I'd spent my whole life in. And we moved to uh, like near Vancouver-ish. I mean, I feel like you're never going to know the cities I named, so I'm just going to say Vancouver area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And and I remember, so I'm 14. I just went through, like, a major trauma, like a sexual trauma. Um, And then, you know, like, I'm just starting kind of drinking and doing drugs and stuff. And, like, my parents, um, they they had some issues with, like, treating me different than my brothers because of my gender. I don't know how else to say it. Like, I don't want to call them sexist because it seems too strong a word, but they treated me very differently. So like, yeah, instead it, of, it's more of a, it, like it's, it's a generational thing, honestly. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So yeah. like I was, I was out partying with my brothers, doing everything with my brothers, but then my parents sent me to Missouri of all places, um, to <laughs> live, live with these people that they'd met on the internet um, super weird. And so, of course, like, that made everything worse, right? Like, what I needed was a fucking counselor. But yeah. <laughs> instead, you, they You just... went to, like, w- w- this was one of those, like, go live with a Christian couple on a farm type things? Close to it, yeah. Like, um, okay. they had they had three kids, and we were, like, middle of nowhere. Like, I don't know how well you know Missouri, but there's a town called Nevada. And then okay. outside of this tiny town called Nevada, there's, like, this, like, suburb thing called Deerfield. So like middle okay, of nowhere. I know that. And it turns out this family was really nice, but I didn't realize that for like 10 years after because there was so much like trauma wrapped up with them mm-hmm. that like, like I didn't really appreciate the the amazing people that they actually are. Um, so I come back. Um, I mean, that was, I was there for three or four months, maybe more. I don't know. Um, it's not really relevant, but I come back and everybody's decided that they want to start doing ecstasy, which mm-hmm. is like. I don't know if you guys call drugs the same thing there, but like it's like MDMA with a bunch of other shit yeah. mixed in a bathtub. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so we start doing ecstasy like every weekend. I'm smoking a lot of weed, drinking so much. And I'm 14 still at this time. Um, and then like, of course, as follows that life, so many more small and large traumas occur, right? <clears throat> Because it's very hard to party that much and not encounter trauma after trauma after trauma. Um, And so when I was, I want to say 15, was the first time I did cocaine. And that was kind of the beginning of the end. You know, it went from being like a weekend, like every weekend, but a weekend thing to like every day or every second day. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, What? What are the what were the what are the drug prices in Canada? Just you know, curious. that's a great question. It's been it's been quite a spell for me. Um, like occasionally, um, I've done some like hallucinogenics and stuff since you know, but I haven't done like actual like you know like the like hard addicting 
I, mm-hmm. I don't know what you what you call the difference, but I feel like you know <laughs> you yeah, know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So like, and I don't really. So like, the last time I did coke, I want to say it was like it was so expensive. <laughs> oh, I don't yeah. remember how much, but like the ecstasy was ten dollars a cap. Yeah. I remember. Um, that's really uh, an eighth of weed. I think is twenty five bucks. And that's really all I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just just simply curious. That sounds about right. Yeah, and especially, I mean, <laughs> looking back, yeah, I started uh, coke when I was 15 too, and absolutely getting ripped off. Like especially from the first person I bought it from, because it's like I had like they could literally have told me that it was you know a thousand dollars and be like, oh yeah, that's a good deal, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you just don't know any better, so you're definitely getting ripped off, and you're definitely getting uh some stepped on stuff but yeah that's how it started for sure well and i think that that's how it was for me because like i don't know like especially in the beginning i didn't ever buy coke i put money in and other people gave us coke and we just assumed that it was the right amount yeah you know i'm 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 sure they'll be completely fair and uh you're so trusting (laughs) yeah so trusting yeah um so yeah so i started doing cocaine and then like like I said, things just sort of devolved from there. Like I was doing it probably every day or second day, but that's all that I was doing. Like, and I prided myself in not crossing that line, partying like a ridiculous amount, not respecting any part of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then I ended up getting kicked out of my house and moved to Surrey, which is like yet another place you won't know the name of, but it's it's also near Vancouver, but not as near. Or a little. How fit. old were you when you got kicked out? I want to say sixteen. So oh, I wow. was sixteen. Is that allowed there? Like they can legally do that? I or they mean... were just kind of like get the fuck out. Like it wasn't like <laughs> yeah. a legal proceeding. I don't think they were like, get out. overly concerned about what was legal. Um, I think they were just kind of like, like I don't even know what happened at that point, but it was probably something to do with the fact that I hated my parents and my life and everybody in it. Um, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> and, and behaved yeah. as such <laughs> long after that. Oh yeah. You moved in with your ex. Okay. So I moved in with Peter and, um, I didn't really have any friends. And so he introduced me to this girl and she was casually like, Hey, do you want to try crack? And I was like, yeah, because you make bad decisions when you have no friends and you're 16 years old. Um, absolutely. <laughs> and, I mean, that's really the long and short of it. Um, and so I tried it, but at that point I didn't really get addicted to it, um, any more so than I was, cause I was already doing so much cocaine that it wasn't an issue at that point. Um, cause I only did it with her like twice. And then when I moved back, um, my uncle had moved in with us, um, when I moved back to my parents' house and he was doing crack, which I didn't know at the time. And my parents didn't know either. Um, and one day he just offered it to me and I, yeah, like he, he was doing it every day and then, sorry. How old, how did that, how old was your uncle and how old were you? And like, how did that conversation get, get started? That's a great question. Um, so I was 16 and he was probably 53 or so at the time. Um, he's passed away now, but, uh. Yeah, he, he actually ended up getting lung cancer that metastasized to his brain a year after he got clean, which is oh, like... Oh, man. Yeah, pretty pretty sad. But um, anyways, so 
Um, when it, I was just sitting on the computer and the computer was right next to like the screen door that led outside. And he's like, hey, Carol, want a hoot? And I assumed it was marijuana, right? Because marijuana was like, per- well, I mean, it's already it's very pervasive here. And then in my family, it was mm-hmm. even more so. So I was like, oh, yeah, sure. And I went outside and I was like, oh, and I recognized what it was because I'd done it in Surrey with uh, with that girl. And I was like, oh, and then like, you know, you know, that dynamic, like when you have a relative who's older than you and you feel like you can't say no to them, you know, like you feel like there's like a power dynamic. I remember feeling like that, like realizing what it was and feeling like, oh, they have authority. I have to do it. And I know that I know now that that is like kind of a lie that your brain tells you. But yeah, in the the or or it's it's. It's in the back of your head, too. It's like, well, I'll never get in trouble for this because it was almost, like, authorized by this older authority. Yes. Yes. And But, like, I mean, I remember I was so afraid of crack. And turns out rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, So, anyway, so I did it that night. And, and then he just kept offering. Um, and so that was for the first, like, month or so. And then he started asking, do you want to pitch in? Right. So once I was like already good and hooked and I remember I would go into the washroom and I like, in retrospect, the fact that my parents weren't suspicious is in, in and of itself incredibly suspicious because like I would announce to yeah. the whole house I was taking a bath because then I would have an excuse to be in the bathroom for like an hour and a half. Right. Yep. Um, so like I would lock the door. And I'd light a candle so I didn't have to keep lighting my lighter. <clears throat> and and I would smoke crack. Um, I would run a bath and not get in it. And like smoke crack for like an hour and a half straight until I ran out. Which, you know, and then you're like looking on the floor for it and like hating yourself yeah. as you're looking on the floor. And because I was using candles, there was a lot of like wax you know, that would like fall. And then I think that that was it. Cause I mean, you know how it is, right? You like, oh. like, does it melt? If it melts, it's yes. crack. Um, yes. You know, and yes, if it uh, tastes my, my big, my, my ridiculous story with that. So I, I similar, except I, I just started um, shooting up cocaine. Right. And so have you ever, so when you, first open a stick of deodorant you notice how it's got like sharp edges Mm -hmm. that's a very random question but okay i actually absolutely know what you mean okay so i would wick the edges on my trash can to to round it off right yeah and so i was creating all these deodorant shavings right and i just forgot about it and so one night i'd ran out of coke and i was just uh carpet searching and i I think I come across the mother load. It's just this <laughs> pile of fucking white flakes. And I tasted it and it tasted bitter. And I was like, oh my God. And I threw it in a spoon, broke it. It instantly broke down in water. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe like I found all this. And I <sighs> hit it and immediately it was like, that's <sighs> not Coke. Like, it was, dude, it was very very painful but that yes, sounds so terrible i have similar stories but inhaling awful. it you know i mean i've smoked yeah. so much oh, candle yeah. wax um french fries <laughs> um the other one for me would be i don't even know what they were but they were these little bits that would kind of melt but not quite and they would like burn i think maybe like cracker crumbs like i don't even fucking know 
what they were yeah. to this day. Oh, sorry. Is it okay if I cuss? I didn't mean to. I didn't ask. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Totally. Um, so, yeah, I, I like had, I have no idea. And then, but the worst of all things that ever happened was like, you're so cheap, right? Because you're trying to save all your money for your crack. And mm-hmm. I remember I was using this Brillo that was like way overburnt and I inhaled a red hot Brillo into Ooh. the back of my throat and i was like oh yeah to 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 explain terminology so you would uh so if you ever go into a gas station and you see uh uh Love Brillo roses? pads right oh. next to um right next to glass rose like little roses inside of a glass stem those are for smoking crack um mm-hmm. <laughs> you use the 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 brillo pad as a screen or uh yeah so you inhaled a God, that must have been awful. Oh, yeah, because it was like still like red, right? Because you, you see it goes red when you're doing it, and I inhaled it. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, I was also inhaling crack, so it probably didn't hurt as bad as it would have. <laughs> yeah, but... that's, that's the – yeah, you get the the gnarly lip burns and finger burns that you get because, you know, cocaine is a is an anesthetic. Um, So, yeah, absolutely everything is numb, and then that's what – Dude, yeah, the 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 days after like a serious crack binge where like you're all your feeling comes back and you're just mm-hmm. like oh, you feel all achy and because you've been so tense and like hunched over. Yeah, oh, it's, it's awful. And it's like it's funny because now when I look back at doing cocaine, it just feels like indu like induced anxiety. Like like whenever I think about the feeling, I'm like, why was I seeking that out? But like I also understand and not that- even. Oh, sorry. No, I was saying, and not only not not just seeking it out, but paying for it. You yeah, are paying money, money that you don't have. You're paying for it to then be incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like so bad, it's so the, bad, uncomfortable. It's the strangest. Yeah, and then you're constantly thinking about more because you feel like it's going to relieve that, but it it mm-hmm. doesn't. It makes it makes it worse. Never. Um. Yep. You get like two good hits, and then you're just chasing. And I remember, like, like if we couldn't get crack, right? Because, like, nobody, like, so I obviously, or not, maybe not obviously, but I feel like it's obvious that I knew a lot of drug dealers um, in this time period. But, of course, they wouldn't sell me crack, even if I said it was for someone else. Um, because, like, I don't know, they didn't want me to do crack. So I would buy cocaine and, like, mix my own. And, like, then yeah. I would have this ammonia that I was, like, wor- I don't know. It was It was a... It was an interesting time. Um, So this continued on through the end of 16 through 17. I'm doing it like every day and I'm telling everyone I'm a coke addict because that seems better to me. (laughs) So, yeah, well, and and like according to society, like it is like that's way more acceptable to be a cocaine addict than a crackhead, you know, because it's been so vilified as this thing, which I guess, you know, rightly so. It is definitely next level and it will take you to places that you never counted on going. Absolutely. Like if it weren't for um this this moment that I had where I decided I was I was going to get well, okay. Um I was just going to say I could have ended up in a much much worse place and I'm very very lucky to have gotten out when I did because I'm definitely the type of personality that like goes hard or goes home. Um you know, so, so I'm glad I'm like, I, I, 
I just feel so lucky. Like, I don't even feel like I did anything. I feel like I was just really, really blessed. Um, Because, like, I went to rehab and detox a bunch of different times. And I would, like, either run away or manipulate my mom into, like, bringing me home. Because, like, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of issues that occurred before then. Right? And I had no qualms about, like, using that against my mom when I was an addict. Or, like, when I was an active addict. Um. So, like, I would, like, call my mom and be like, like, you clearly don't fucking care about me and all this shit, right? And so, like, one day, one day when I was, I was either early 18 or late 17. Of course, my memory is completely screwed, right? Um, Oh, yeah. From the heavy drug use. Um, So, when I was 17 or 18, I smoked a bunch of crack and I looked in the mirror. And in some ways, like, it felt like a mistake at the time. Um, and I like never looked in mirrors when I would do drugs. I feel like that's relevant. Even though you like do cocaine off of mirrors, I wouldn't look at myself. Um, and then yeah, one, t- you're looking at the coke. Yeah. And then one day I look in the mirror after I smoke crack and I don't know if in my entire life I have ever felt as sad as I felt in that moment. Like I felt so like helpless is the only way I know how to put it is like, I just looked at myself and it's like, I didn't recognize myself. I didn't understand why I made any of the choices that I did. It was just this like one moment of like, it was so impactful and it was like kind of like clarity, but not really clarity, you know, but it was just like, it was sadness. And, uh, yeah, it was like reality. It's like the, the reality, like all the fantasy of, of what you think is going on kind of melts away and you're just confronted that's with a, like what actually is. And it's like, oh, shit. That's a perfect way to describe it is that, yeah, like all of the lies that I was telling myself couldn't get past the, the look of myself high on crack in the mirror while my family was bonding in the other room. See, um, it was... It was, yeah, it was like I with, that's an interesting thing, the whole mirror and looking at yourself. Cause I remember when I was heavy into, into meth. So part of it is, it, is it, um, and same with, uh, I was big into like research chemical hallucinogens, but things that would like, uh, blow out my pupils to, and I have like mm-hmm. brown eyes. So when they would get, when my pupils would get huge, I just, they turn into like shark eyes, just completely black. And I would just like stare in the mirror. And so maybe it was like twofold because like, that was how I knew that, uh, that I was like tripping or that I was high is when I would look in the mirror and see my eyes and it's like, yes, all right, here it comes. And then it was like a weird, almost like, like a like a vampiric fantasy or something where I started to like really embrace the like evil of it in mm-hmm. a way the or dark just side like kind of like yeah like yeah 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 like it's just fully there was like a free like a weird draw to like yes like look how like <laughs> like look how fucked up you are I don't know it was very, very it's it's really hard to to quantify or to kind of talk about but it's like yeah there's just something about um i guess it's like you know even like when uh the hulk and the avengers is like when it finally starts to take over like it feels good and it's kind of like that it's like yeah maybe it's a weird primal thing no and that makes sense to me because i remember after that initial mirror look 
Um, once I'd like kind of started the process of, of the rehab that I eventually went to for almost a year, um, I'd looked in the mirror a bunch of times and it was almost like, okay, I know I've, I'm dealing with it. So I would like lean in and embrace the depravity and the anti everything that I was raised to believe, like almost like a, like a, a rebellion, but it was like, like, I don't know. I, I feel like I understand what you mean where it's like, yeah, if I can't it, be anything like else, at least rebellion. I'm the best at this. You know? Yes, yes, yes. It's yeah. It's it really is just a a complete, um, which it's funny. It's like it, it really, um, makes some of the uh, verses in the Bible like come alive. Where it's like where it talks about like uh, God is like giving people's hearts over to sin or whatever, and they're you know just basically where it's like you are you are on. I don't know. I guess there's just power in that side. I mean, I don't want to call it the dark side because it sounds <laughs> cheesy, but it's like there, there is, you well, get something from it. Well, and I mean, I think to some degree it might, it might have to do for me, at least personally, um, to do with the idea of surrender, you know, is like, mm. it's, it's like you just surrendering yourself to whatever powers are controlling you. And I think that that can be healthy when it's not that, you know, when it's not the darker side of things, you know, that idea of surrendering to the, you know, to God or to the ways of, of like what's going to happen because it's going to happen anyways, that kind of thing can be healthy. But in those moments, like, you know, I think, I just think it's instinctual for us to sometimes just surrender. But when all you've got is darkness, then that surrendering is extremely dangerous. Yeah, that's that's a that's actually a great way to put it. Yeah. Um so so you uh, all right, so continue. Oh yeah, okay. So yeah, so I have this this mirror moment and so I decide um and I'm still in high school at the time kind of. I'm in this alternative school where you can kind of show up whenever you want. I'm very lucky that I have like a fairly academic mind so I can kind of get by and I'm going to school and they have this um called impact so it's a drug and alcohol counseling for the kids at ace as well as other kids probably but most of their clientele was from this alternative school that i went to and i remember going in and i said to marnie she was she was amazing um i said to her i smoke crack i need to get clean but i need to be as far away from here as possible because i won't do it if i'm here and so she started the paperwork to get me into a program in Montreal, which is about, I want to say 2,500 miles, 2,000 miles from where I am now. So pretty far. Jeez. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, and it was this program called Portage. And it was a unique program because it wasn't uh, 12-step based. It was styled after the military, I think. Um. And it took months, like six months of like, you know, like I'd be high as fuck on crack, filling out paperwork for rehab and (laughs) writing essays and stuff. Um, And it ended up like it ended up being completely funded um, by the B.C. government, which is the the province that I live in now, which is like a state. Um, And it was completely funded and they finally got me there. And I remember right before I got on the plane my mom gave me $50 and she's like, I'm so proud of everything that you've done. So before, before I go to go on the plane, she gives me 50 bucks 
And she's like, I'm so proud of you. You're making changes, blah, blah, blah. And of course, being a crackhead, I spent that $50 on crack, right? Um, and of so course, you got to, you got to get that. You got to get the rehab one in. Yeah, it was the last. Well, and so the plane ride, I don't know, it was, it's, it's at least a few hours. I mean, I think it's five or six hours or something. And I remember I asked Marnie if I could go for a smoke before I got on the plane and or Leanne or whoever it was. I'm not sure who escorted me now, but someone escorted me. And so she's like, yeah, you can go for a smoke. But they didn't smoke. So I went and smoked a whole fuckload of crack before I got on that plane and then left the crack pipe there. I remember like throwing it in the garbage. That plane ride must have been miserable. It was awful. (laughs) Oh, my God. It was fiending on a plane. It was terrible. And next to a drug and alcohol counselor, too. Like, it's not even like, like, it was someone who was literally there to help me get clean. And I'm like trying to have conversation with her and seem normal because I didn't tell her, of course, that oh, I was high. Yeah, on you should have just told her. I mean, she knew. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> no way knew. she didn't know. There's no way she didn't know. The whole plane probably knew. Yeah. So, actually, um, I say that like, People are, the general public is like surprisingly, so my, one thing I pride myself on is my junkie radar of like being able to tell, like, I can usually even like figure out like what prescriptions people are taking. Like, I'm just really good at that, at reading people's behaviors and like figuring out what they're on. But like, seems like the general public is awful at that, or they just never assume that, where they're just like, that person's really weird. And it's like, no, that person's fucking loaded right now. Like, <laughs> That's true, actually, because I've definitely been like, oh, I wonder what that guy's high on. And they're like, you think he's high on something? And I'm like, well, yes. yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, guess, then- I guess people normally, that's just not what they think. Yeah, it's 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 weird. Um, it's I always find it like and I, I most of my friends now don't have any kind of a history like me, but I still like sometimes find it weird how incredibly different it is, like the different worlds, you know, like, yeah. I, again, I just can't yeah. imagine going through your whole life, like almost being unaware of drugs, you know, like everywhere I move, right. even though I've been, you know, I've been off of cocaine and crack for over 12 years, everywhere I move, I still could get it at a moment's notice. No problem. Like, know exactly where to go to get it. And people, like, just, like, exist as if drugs don't exist. And that's such a wild thing to me. But then, but, but then they'll, they'll just, like, without question, take anything a psychiatrist gives them (laughs) and, like, not understand like how uh like addiction works even if you're not like an addict like you can still get physically addicted to things and they just like don't get it they just think they're grumpy if i don't get my pills you know what i mean i've heard that like oh i get headaches if i forget or whatever you know it's just like yeah or the the educate yourself people coffee is a really big one that i see that a lot with where people like have no Mm -hmm. understanding of the fact that they're like you know seriously addicted to coffee and Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't know why I have such a bad headache. And I'm like, well, did you drink coffee today? And they're like, no, but that doesn't matter. And I'm like, well, you've been drinking four cups for the last like year. So yeah, so it totally matters. <laughs> pretty likely that it matters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I finally get to rehab and it was I was 10 months and like six days or something that I was in a live in program in Montreal. Um, and 
I mean, that was the last time the the time on the plane was the last time I did crack or cocaine, but it was easily another five years after that before I really understood about like the lifestyle of using, um, you know, the impacts of drinking. I mean, I drink sometimes now, but rarely and even like then rarely more than a glass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, I, it took me a really, really long time to fully understand that it went a lot further than crack and cocaine. And like, even now I still struggle with like Red Bull, cigarettes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you, any, any weed or anything? Um, I do, I do smoke some weed and take edibles, but mostly nowadays, mostly for pain. Cause I find that it makes my anxiety worse. <laughs> So I yeah. don't like I really have to like weigh because I have chronic pain issues. I have fibromyalgia and sarcoidosis. Um, so I really have to weigh like the pain versus the anxiety because I also have PTSD and anxiety. So it's yeah. like, you know, like which way do I want to be uncomfortable? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. And that's I think uh, people, especially if you have any any sort of like extreme stimulant abuse in your past and and plus ptsd it's you're going to be your your um your fight or flight system is pretty i think permanently kind of broken or not broken but it's it's just different and so you got to really be careful with things that are gonna uh exacerbate that and yeah weed is definitely one of those things that um yeah, especially the stuff nowadays. It's like you really have to be. Well, and it's, it's um, oh sorry, it's go ahead. not this. It's not this panacea for for anxiety and and everything that's wrong with you. Like it'll actually ramp some of those things up for sure. And like it's always interesting to me because when people ask, you know, if I smoke weed, if I'm out socially, because like I'll still go to like parties with my neighbors and stuff, but I just don't usually drink or whatever. And and <clears throat> um. When I, especially when I first meet people, they'll be like, do you smoke weed? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to. And then they get really confused because most people find it really strange to only really ever want to smoke pot by yourself, you know, but being around other right. people makes it so much worse, right? So, um, I mean, and occasionally, you know, like if I'm close with people and stuff, I will smoke weed socially, but I've really, really got to be super, super comfortable. So it's usually not worth it. Um, and yeah. plus, like, then I can't drive. I mean, I technically could drive. I know lots of people that do smoke weed and drive, but I don't. I don't ever smoke weed and drive. So, like, if I'm smoking weed, I'm like, okay, I can't be driving anywhere for three hours. I can't, you know, like, like it just, it makes life so much harder. So I definitely treat it with a lot of respect because it gets, you know, it gets this reputation for being very casual. And I think that it can be used casually, but it's also like, it's a lot, oh, it's such a weird thing. Cause like, I want to be careful what I say about it, but people try to tell me like, you can't get addicted to weed or you can't overdose on weed. Both of those things are untrue. You can't overdose to the point where you'll die, but you can absolutely take too much weed and get very sick. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, for sure. And like, and if you're, so, I'm, I'm sorry, finish that. Oh, I was just going to say, like, that happened to me one time. My uncle, the one that got me addicted to crack, um, he, uh, when he had cancer, he gave me, I was in a lot of pain from the fibromyalgia, and so he gave me a THC pill, and it had a fucking gram of Phoenix Tears, which is also called Rick Simpson oil, I think. 
I don't know. You guys call it something different in the States. But um, he gave me this for pain and I had no idea. And Jed, I was sick for 12 fucking hours. I was throwing up for 12 hours, throwing up so hard I pissed myself, which I shouldn't probably announce oh. publicly. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, like it was really bad. And then people try to tell me you can't overdose. And I'm like, what do you call that then? It's like that right. is that is the word for that. Sorry, I'm getting really passionate. Yeah. Um. For, no, no, no. And and the other thing, too, is like people that do it daily, it's like you don't like, okay, I mean, it, all you have to do is just logically think about it. It's like if, you know, saying like, oh, yeah, I do it, I do it daily and it doesn't affect me or whatever. It's like, yes, it does. Like all you have to do is take a break from it and then smoke and realize how high you get. And then you're telling me that that's not affecting you? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Like, do you, do you not think that there are some uh, background processes running that, like, aren't... <laughs> like, it for sure is uh, a very strong chemical that needs to be respected. And you can't ex- you can't think that doing something that powerful... Uh, like multiple times a day for months or years is not going to affect you. Like that's just silly. And 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 that's exactly it. And and like the addiction thing. Like people try to say you can't get addicted to it, and it's like you can get addicted to video games. You don't think you can get addicted yeah. to a substance? Like that's wild. Yeah. Um. So yeah. yeah. Like I said. So I mean, the marijuana thing with me is is a constant struggle. Like I constantly. I'm going like, I should just quit altogether. And then I'm like in pain a lot one day. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. And yeah. like, I don't know where I land Cause it, on cause it. Because it's... it's so hard to get information that's not either like marijuana is a godsend and perfect and your brain creates it. So that means it's okay. Or marijuana is of the devil. Like it's so hard to find stuff that's like in the middle. Yeah. You know, balanced. like right. actually useful information. And I mean, especially because it's legalized here, right? So marijuana is looked at very, very differently here now. You know, like it's looked upon very, very kindly. I don't know what the word is. Um, And that's great. But again, like you're just not seeing like you you see commercials on TV that are like, don't get high and drive. But otherwise, you're not seeing anything that is a detractor from using marijuana. And it's like, I, I, I would like some balance. I would like some information that's going to be straight up with me. You know, I don't know. <laughs> right. It's it's tough. It's it is tough to come by for sure, because it's such a weird, you know, and we're going to go through the I think it'll just I think it just needs a few probably like a decade of uh, like legalization and normalization. So everyone gets over the honeymoon period with it and mm-hmm. then it just becomes, you know, and people can finally just start because, you know, now a lot of the. A lot of the research and articles about it, they're trying to make it seem like a godsend because they're trying to get legislation passed and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like there's there's an agenda and a goal. So maybe once that happens, they can, you know, like with alcohol now, like, you know, they're coming, find like all the, God, and I guess that even that took <laughs> <laughs> That took a scary long time. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Maybe not. Maybe I need to adjust my timeline. But yeah, now they're finally being like, oh, yeah, alcohol is, is the worst. <laughs> like, 
Well, and yeah. I mean, like you're seeing it with cigarettes and cigarettes. It took what, like uh, probably 70 years because it was the 60s when they really started marketing yeah. them. So about, you know, maybe let's say 60 years because I'd say for the last 10 years, cigarettes have been pretty taboo. Um, so, you know, half a century or so, people will probably start to have a more balanced view. <laughs> yep. Yep. And by the, by then, something else will, you know, something else will take its place. Well, I want to, um, we're getting close to the end. I wanted, so what kind of, as far as like spiritually and, and life on the other side, like what are, what are things like today? Oh, that's a great question. So definitely it was... <clears throat> quite a spell before I like I tried really hard to be an atheist um like tried so hard to just like but like I and I'm not saying that other people have to think this way too but like I don't know how to not believe in God when I look around and see the beauty of the world and the perfect balance like it seems so unlikely to me like it seems like unbelievable to me that that it could have been happenstance so I definitely believe in God And I would say that a lot of my beliefs are like loosely structured around the Christian framework. But overall, I'm kind of more just like a spiritualist. I definitely enjoy looking at all the different like tools and like, you know, like I'm really like I love herbalism and stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't really know where I land. It would if I labeled it, it would be inaccurate by next week anyways. Um, cause it's like constantly yeah. evolving as I'm taught. I mean, cause you know, like, um, I talk to a lot of people about happiness and their beliefs and stuff. And I end up with like a constantly evolving idea of what the world is. So really all I know for sure is that I believe in God and I love humanity and that's pretty much it. <laughs> I like, yeah. I love the world. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a great starting point. I think, uh, I think Jesus would say that's enough too. Yeah, that's true. That was basically his message. Stop trying to decide what sin is for other people and love each other. And yeah, uh, yeah, and we have uh we have missed that message. <laughs> um well man, thanks for I I feel honored that uh that uh you you uh chose this outlet to actually uh tell your story that you haven't really talked about. So that that is really cool and I I definitely feel uh more more kindred now. There's there's a there's a few of us in that group. Um, but yeah, uh, from a, from a fellow, uh, crackhead to another, <laughs> I, I definitely feel you. I know you. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me on Jed. I really, uh, I really enjoyed it. And if anyone's wondering, I did ask my mom's permission to talk about my uncle. So that's all yeah, cool. There we go. We're good. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks. Thank you.
trust 